Good evening, everyone. Oh, that's better. You can hear me. Oh, there we are. Um, good to be here again tonight. That was uh, sweet worship. I love it when I can hear, I'm at the front, I just hear this sound of worship. Just, um, just yeah, it's beautiful. So, awesome. Um, uh, for those who are, uh, are um, alert and remember what was said last week, last week I said I'm not going to be preaching for quite a few weeks, if anyone remember that, so... Uh, but I had a little few adventures uh, Sunday night. Um, not everyone saw this, but uh, I, I left and I went out to the car park and got into my car, went to get into my car and um, the car next to me was quite close and the door wasn't open that wide and my car has a frameless glass window, right? So as I was getting in, I sat down and I just put the, my uh, eyebrow through the glass uh, of, the, of the car window. So uh, that was the first exciting thing. And then I was, um, had quite a lot of blood coming out because you bleed a lot from the, your head. And so I've like come in and, and the Nikki was in the foyer. I'm like, Nikki, I need some help. I'm bleeding here. <laughs> she just sees the pastor walk back in covered in blood from the car park. She's thinking, what's going on out there? Um, anyway, so I, I was a little bit shaky and I had a bit of a sore head Monday morning. I uh, woke up and, uh, and then I got this message saying, oh, you know how you thought someone else was preaching? Oh, well, they're not. So um, anyway, so you know, when you make a mistake and you think you've asked someone to preach, um, but uh, they actually, you actually haven't or they've said no, but then you didn't realise. And so the one solution at short notice was to step in and actually take responsibility and step up and preach again. So, oh, there we go. Um, but I'm going to do something different. Before I preach, I'm going to get you guys to do something I haven't ever done while I'm here, and I'm going to get you guys to help me write this sermon, okay? Um, so so uh, writing sermons, um, you know, there's quite a few steps to it. You've got to understand the passage. Uh, it's, it's historical context. It's genre. Um, you've got to understand how it fits in the context of the whole letter or book, uh, how it fits in the whole writing of the author and how it fits in the whole Bible. You've got to explore key words, any theological concepts using a good uh, study resource. You've got to understand all that complexity. You've got to work out the overall key theme, work out some key points and consider what questions this raises for Christians and for non-Christians and therefore answer those questions. And then you need to work out relevant illustrations, examples, and personal stories, etc., that will bring life to that story. Okay, so um, I'm not going to get you to do all that. Uh, that might be a little challenging in the time we have. But this is what I want you to do, okay? This passage, Romans 12, 3 to 8, is actually, some passages are very complex, some passages are quite simple. And this is contains a vital message, but it's quite a simple, clear passage. So it breaks down into three, three clear points. They are, and then strangely, I think it flows better if you reverse the order. Um, so we're going to do this, right? I want you to, to get together in a, in a second in groups of, uh, say, four people, maybe five at the absolute most. And I want you to get a Bible out, get it on your phone, put an app on your phone if you, if you don't have it. And I want you to look at verse 6 to 8. Then verse 4 to 5, and then verse 3, okay? That's going to form the three points of your sermon, of our sermon that we are collectively writing. And I want you to then come up with a th no more than four words, aim for three words, what the key point is, 
Okay, does that make sense? So some verse, from verse 6 to 8, I want you to see if you can come up with a, a three, three to four word key point that summarizes what that is. And then the same for verse 4 to 5, and then the same for verse 3. Okay, and then we're going to ask ourselves, what's the key question this is answering? And that's going to be the framework of our sermon. So here we go. Get into groups, and I'm going to time this. You've got three and a half minutes for each bit. Okay, we good? Are you finished? That's a different question. We right to go? Okay, so um, uh, so verse six to eight. Uh, I looked at this passage. You could you could look at it either way, but it actually flows better if you if you're working in reverse. It kind of just fits better and makes more sense. So, verse six to eight. What are, the, what are the three to four word things that, that some of the groups came up with? Someone over here. You have gifts. Live your gifts. Okay. Someone else? Use our gifts well. Pardon? Well, that's five words, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yep. Sorry? Be you with zeal. I like that. Diligence with your gifts. Yep. Does someone else call something else? No? Do your thing. <laughs> Do your thing. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So, all right. Next one, verse four to five. Start over this side. Sorry? If hand be hand. That's very kind of uh, sort of, uh, I don't know what that is. That's good. Um, yep. Work together in Christ. I like this. Others up the back. Different role, different roles, common goals. I like it. Man. This is better than what I've come up with. <laughs> you belong. Yep. Two words. Nice. Okay. Any, anything else? Together we are one. Yep. Awesome. I like it. Uh, verse 3. Verse 3. Uh, sorry? You have seven words. Okay, what are your seven words? Humble yourself in the confidence of God. Humble yourself in the confidence of God. Okay, it's good. A little long, but good. Uh, grace, faith, humility. Yep, beautiful. Right. <laughs> Look at yourself. Look at yourself. Okay. Do a reality check and be humble. Excellent. You're like proud. You're like, that's seven words. But that's cool. Okay, do a reality check and be humble. Be humble. In grace, be humble. I like that. Yep. Humility under God's grace. 
View yourself accurately. Awesome. This is fabulous. Um, what question do these points answer? What question is answered by these points? How shall we live as followers of Jesus? Yep. How can I help? How could I help? How has God designed us to work for the kingdom of God? What is my place? How are we to live? Who am I? This is good. Yep, what is his will? His good, pleasing and perfect will. What are you? <laughs> Do you know I had that in my notes? What are you? Uh, yeah, I went, to a, I went to a Premier League game years ago in England at uh, Tottenham Hotspurs ground and a chant that they do sometimes is, who are you? Who are you? Who are And then like, you get this echo, who are you? I didn't know what the meaning of it is. I just stood up and said, I'm, I'm Mark. Um, <laughs> from Australia, yeah, just visiting in London for a week. Yep, anyway, um, it's great. Okay, awesome. Uh, Here's what I came up with. I, I, I don't know. Um, I said this. Know your gifts, take your place, and serve humbly. And the question that I was answering is, how can I fulfill God's purpose for my life as a Christian? Um, that's a really interesting exercise. Some of you are like, how's it heaps better than Mark's? Um, <laughs> maybe. Um, it's a really good exercise to do. Uh, I've uh, never done that before, but, you know, we need to be able to wrestle with the Scriptures. We need to be able to open up the Scriptures and actually study it for ourselves and actually make sense of it ourselves. And, and to do that with others is, is really helpful too. Um, yeah, sometimes um, I've been uh, really worried when I've discovered that someone just can't study the Scripture, can't open it up and make sense of it. And being able to break down a passage and understand what it's saying and think about it in that way, what are the key points in this passage uh what are what is this what question is this answering or another way would be to say how do i summarize this passage in one sentence uh is is helpful kind of things to make sense of it um and uh you know often when i preach i i break it down into just three points there's a kind of a classic thing a three-point sermon because it helps to um just give an understanding of God's word. So, yeah, this passage is uh, is a simple passage in many ways. It, it doesn't contain complex theology, but it's a very practical, very helpful one. How can I? How can you fulfil God's purpose for your life as a Christian? And um, we've talked about do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. We've talked about but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to know. Uh, what God's will is, His good, pleasing and perfect will. And now coming into that, we get into this really practical teaching. And we'll go on to even more practical teaching, things like even around what is, how do you as a Christian engage with um, politics and how do you deal, relate with you know, go the governing powers and bodies in this world. That's coming up in a couple of weeks. Ben's going to preach on that. Um, next week, uh, you know, how do we go about dealing with persecution and, and when people treat us badly and a whole lot of other, other things um, that are really practical. So let me get into this one. I'm going to go through it fairly briefly because we've spent some time doing that, but I think it's really good. Um, 
So the first one, know your gifts. I've said it as know your gifts. Um, uh, have you guys seen this? This is a famous last, and if you haven't seen it, have a, a little look. Um, it's quite humorous. Um, the first thing that's clear in this passage is very simply, it's stating that we all have gifts. Let me actually read the passage as a whole before I, before I get into it. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Uh, so the first thing, clear thing to say in this passage, it's really simple, is that we all have gifts. I'm starting at verse 6. We have different gifts. It doesn't say that uh, in some time in the future God will give us gifts. It doesn't say that God will give uh, some people gifts or that some people have gifts. And uh, it certainly doesn't say that a few special Christians have gifts. Every single believer has gifts. And that's worth saying because some people don't think they have any gifts. Some people don't think they've got anything to offer of value. But that's not true. That's a lie. If you believe that, that's, uh, you're believing a lie. Uh, that probably Satan would want to use to stop you from serving and actually being fruitful and, and useful for his kingdom. Everyone has gifts. So this boy who's uh, trying to get into the Midvale School for the Gifted, um, the idea, you know, academically there are some who are, you know, specially gifted and they can do a gifted and talented program. In the church, it's not that model at all, where there's this few gifted people and everyone else is kind of just... Uh, you know, not gifted. No, everyone has gifts. You have gifts. Whether or not you could name your gifts, whether or not you are exercising your gifts is a different question. But God has given to each one gifts. And uh, they're gifts that he's given to be used for his purposes and for his glory, for his service and for the advancement of his kingdom. It says we have different gifts according to the grace given to us, to each of us. And then he goes into a list of seven gifts. Now you can see, if you, if you look at how this is written, that he's using uh, the gifts he lifts here as an example, okay, as examples. He's not, he's not saying it's quite clear this isn't like an exclusive or, a, or the whole gifts that exist, right? It's a little bit like he's saying, uh, a different way of using an illustration would be to say, you should go on a holiday. If you went on a holiday, you could go to the Flinders Ranges or to the York Peninsula or to Bali, okay? So he's naming gifts. Uh, he's not saying, here is a list of the gifts. Um, but he named seven of them, and um, I will go into explaining uh, each of the seven because in this passage, this is the one we're looking at, and so it's let us explore these passages. And so I'm going to ask you to do something 
that may or may not be helpful. Um, as I read out these seven gifts and give a description of them, I want you to kind of think to yourself, uh, in terms of as it relates to, as these gifts relate to you, do you think the answer, do you have this gift? Yes, no, or maybe? Okay? And it's probable to think that probably at least one of these gifts you would have uh, in some measure. Okay? So yes, no, or maybe as you hear these gifts, knowing that there's a whole lot of other gifts as well. But just consider it that way. So the first is prophecy. And I'll just read a definition for each of them. Prophecy is, uh, the gift of prophecy is the divine ability to communicate God's truth and heart in a way that calls people to a right relationship with God. Um, Some people think prophecy is just about sort of speaking the future, revealing future or things unknown, but it's actually a lot broader than that. Um, Serving. The gift of serving is the divine ability to do small or great tasks in working for the overall good of the body of Christ. Now, um, I often, uh, a couple of times in the morning I've highlighted, uh, there's a gentleman who comes to the morning uh, named Rod, and he uh, undoubtedly has a spiritual gift of service. And the way that shows is that he is never rostered on to serve in the mornings, but every single morning goes to the kitchen and serves, uh, cleaning up every single dish and wiping stuff, and he does it every single week without fail. And uh, he's just drawn to that. He does that, it's his thing, and I would say it's evidence of a gift of serving. And so serving is a, is a very practical gift, and it's not a very ostentatious, upfront, look-at-me gift, but we desperately need, pe- need people with a gift of serving in the church, very valuable gift. The gift of teaching. The gift of teaching is the divine ability to study and learn from the Scriptures primarily to bring understanding and depth to other Christians. So again, uh, various people play different roles in the church, but teaching is a very uh, important and powerful gift. And sometimes I hear someone preaching, uh, or I've experienced people leading Bible studies, and I think you've got a particular gift in teaching. When you teach the Bible, people just get it. You explain it clearly and well and accurately, and you also engage people in a way that they, they go away really understanding God's Word. Uh, encouragement. The gift of uh, exhortation or encouragement is the divine ability to strengthen, comfort or urge others to action through the written or spoken word uh, and also biblical truth. Encouragement. So encouragement, wonderful, wonderful gift. Some people, and you can probably think of someone, is just so encouraging. They just constantly speak words of encouragement and, uh, and they just give, I think, life in the church when, when, through encouragement. Such a powerful thing. Um, the next one is giving. The gift of giving is the divine ability to produce wealth and give by tithes and offerings for the purpose of advancing the kingdom of God on earth. Um, I'll go on to say this with all the gifts, but uh, just because so everyone, in a sense, in the church gives or is uh, encouraged to give, but some people have a particular capacity and heart to give. They don't just give a little, they give a lot. And they just, they just love to give. They're gifted to give. 
And uh, again, that gift, uh, which some people have, uh, can have a profound impact on the work of God in the local church, in missions, right around the world. Uh, Leadership. The gift of leadership is the divine ability to influence people at their level while directing and focusing them on the big picture vision or idea. And the last one is, is mercy. The gift of mercy is the divine ability to feel empathy and to care for those who are hurting in any way. So, uh, again, all of these gifts I see in different people around the church. If I speak about mercy, um, you know, lots of people care in different ways. And I would say I don't have the gift of mercy as a spiritual gift. That doesn't mean I don't care about people or care for people. But there's some people who, when they come alongside people, they've just got a gift, right? And they've just got a way about them that they just come alongside people and automatically those people just know this person is just so uh, merciful, compassionate and cares in such a profound way. It's a gift. It's a gift. And um, so, um, you know, as I've grown up in the church, as I've become a Christian, as I've grown, I've discovered uh, that I do have gifts. I'm a gifted person. And it's actually okay to say that because gifts are from God and they're for God. And I can actually see that there's a whole bunch of things, gifts that I don't possess. And, uh, uh, you know, I could name them for you. They're, they're obvious if you stand near me. Singing is musical is not one of my gifts. Um, practical stuff is not one of my gifts. I am just, when it comes to, what's that? Very true, yeah, because you came and helped me put up some drawers in my house. Um, I, I just, my brain goes to mush over practical things, right? Just recently... Um, my rainwater tank at home stopped filling, okay? And so I just, I'm just like, I don't know where to start with that issue. Like, so I ended up, uh, I had a plumber around for another issue, so I said to him, can he look at my rainwater tank? So he just pushed the downpipe aside, put the tap running in it, and then went down near the rainwater tank, and he discovered there was water gushing out, and there was a hole in a pipe. That would just seem, in hindsight, to be the most simple, logical thing. But I would never, ever have thought to do that. Other people, they're just gifted to do practical things. And so there's a whole range of gifts that are very practical. There are a range of gifts that are uh, spiritual. And so the other thoughts I'd say about gifts is that uh, some, will, some people have different levels of gifting. So you might have primary gifts and you might have other gifts that are lesser gifts. So some gifts are expressed more strongly. Some will have fewer gifts but have really strong gifting. Others might have a broader range of gifts. Um, Some will have gifts that are, um, what was I going to say? Yeah, and all people do things outside their gifting and that's okay. So it's it's not really a good thing to say, well, my gift's not serving. So then someone says, hey, could you just help out with packing the chair tonight? And you say, look, sorry, I just, that's not my gifting. (laughs) You know, not gifted in that way. Or you think, I don't really have this gift of, of, of mercy, so therefore, I'll never be merciful to anyone. <laughs> that, that would not be a good you know, way to approach it. So all the gifts, um, giving, uh, mercy, leadership, encouragement, you know, teaching, there's different times when we're going to get opportunities to do these gifts. And it may not be that you're super gifted in that area, but there's going to be times when it's right to exercise and practice that kind of thing, even if it's not a particular gifting for you. So, uh, ways that you identify gifting. If you say, well, I've never really thought about this. I don't really know even what the gifts are or 
whether I've got them or what my gifts would be, then um, I would encourage you to look at this passage and look at other passages in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians being a particular one, that talk about the different spiritual gifts that are out there. One way of identifying gifts is sometimes what you're actually drawn to. Uh, Another way would be to say, what is natural and easy for me? Uh, Another one would be, what is affirmed in me by others? So what what are you drawn to? What is natural and easy for you? And what is affirmed by others about you? So as I was growing up in the church, I began to be affirmed consistently in areas like leadership and teaching, um, particularly. And so I would find in kind of groups that I would go into uh, that I would sort of be the leader of that group without even trying to be. I wasn't domineering and like, I have to lead. It's just that I kind of would end up being in leadership roles. And people also identified that in me. And so that was a way that I sort of began to find that I had that gifting. And also, what do you desire? And what are you passionate about? Often what you desire and what you are passionate about is related to your gifting. Um, Sometimes gifting is only revealed through trial and error. There are some gifts that you don't just kind of Uh, miraculously discover unless you're actually willing to take a step of faith okay so the the gift of healing is a gift now if you never pray for someone to be healed you're not going to see that gift be realized Um, and some people really desire a gift I actually think it's okay to to pray that God might give you a, a particular gift if you're really passionate about receiving that to pray for that and ask God that he might give that gift so in summary uh know your gifts God's desire is that you know your gifts. Uh, Satan's desire, evil one's desire, is that you don't know your gifts. And that's the first point. Second point is this. I've, I've described it as this. Uh, take your place. Take your place. The metaphor Paul uses here is the body. He says, uh, for each, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members don't all have the same function, so in Christ, we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. So certainly I could have described this in my three words. You, you quite picked up other aspects about uh, unity, about oneness, about belonging. And um, that's really a key part of this. But I've, I've used take your place uh, because that's the active kind of application of this. The application is that every single one of us is part of something together, this local church... God's church worldwide, we're part of that. And God's desire is that we take our place in that. Because everyone has got a unique shape that contributes to the whole. So just like as a body, you know, you get injured uh, and suddenly you notice uh, that you really need that part of your body that previously you've taken for granted. Doesn't that happen, right? You, you kind of injure your finger and then suddenly you just realize that you use your hands and your fingers a lot. You, you've, something else happens and you just notice how much constantly you need that part of a body. And when something goes, you begin to really notice it. But the church often is like a, a body with parts that aren't operating. It ends up being dysfunctional. Uh, God's desire is that we take our place. I've got this picture here because it's, it's a sporting team at the start of a, of a game. Does anyone notice anything unusual about that picture? One man's in a different uniform. Yes, he is the goalkeeper. 
It's a good observation. Uh, does anyone know, notice what's wrong with this picture? This is actually the official team photo before a game of Manchester United playing. No, close. No, the umpire's not in it. There is 12, there's 12 men there. As Manchester United went out before a major international game, a guy dressed in Manchester United gear who liked to do pranks stepped out onto the field and walked out with them and got himself in the photo. <laughs> so he is the guy on the far left and the guy on the far right is looking across going, who is that guy? <laughs> He later, he later got front row tickets for Wimbledon and had a tracksuit on and took his tracksuit off and when there was no play between games, he and his mate stepped out and they got to hit a few shots before the official said, what is this? <laughs> anyway, um, it's kind of irrelevant to the message. We are one body. Whether you use the image of a body or a sporting team, a sporting team needs every player. And it needs different people who play different roles. And every role is valuable. Um, when you take to, to, a, to a, a sporting team, it uh, doesn't matter whether you're the best player or the worst player. It doesn't matter whether you're the tallest or the shortest or the fastest or the slowest or whatever. You're part of that team and you've got a role to play. And the star of that team might, might get 30 possessions, but the guy who takes three tackles and, and smothers the ball and plays their role is just as valuable, just as important. And we've got to take our place. Just uh, last week, uh, my team, the Crows, appointed a new coach, and it was absolutely fascinating to listen to him talk about the culture that he wants to build. He said we need to build a culture of selflessness, a culture of sacrifice, a culture where we put others first. I'm like, dude, you're quoting Jesus here. <laughs> He's talking about how the church should function and, and how, indeed, uh, if the team is to succeed, that's how it needs to function because for some reason it had got away from that culture. Uh, the idea of, um, of we are one and we belong to each other is countercultural to our individualistic society in Australia where we are actually recognised that we actually don't just belong to ourselves, we don't even just belong to God, we actually belong to one another. And I said this before last week, I think we're family, we're brothers and sisters, we belong to each other, we're all needed. We don't just go to church to help me grow, to grow in my faith so I feel closer to God. That is not a biblical picture of what going to church is about. Going to church is, I go to be with my brothers and sisters who I'm on mission with. And we're in this together and we love one another and we support one another and we share in God's mission in this place where God has put us for this time. When the church becomes like that, it becomes a very special place to be a part of and a very powerful place. So the third point then is this. Uh, so that's the second point, which is um, take your place. Third point is serve God humbly. Okay, this is a picture of Benny Hinn. <laughs> I don't know why I got that. Um, serve God humbly. Uh, and if I was going to exp expand it, I would say, serve God humbly with the gifts that he has given to you. Paul is writing this from Corinth. And uh, it's generally understood, Paul writes the letter of Roman, 
from Corinth. And interestingly, in the letter to the Corinthians, Paul talks about the body. He expands on what he references here in Romans 12, and he also expands on spiritual gifts in the letter to the Corinthians. But he also writes these things into chapter 12 of Romans. Paul deals in in the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church basically was a church that went crazy, right? It It just really had a lot of bad stuff going on. And one of the biggest problems they had was that people who had certain spiritual gifts, certain gifts, thought they were better than other people. And what the, the gifts that, they, that made people think that they were better were the spectacular spiritual gifts like speaking in tongues, uh, doing miracles, healing and prophecy. And people that possessed those gifts thought they were super spiritual. And they thought those that didn't possess those gifts were just less spiritual and less important. And it caused a huge division in the church. And so here Paul writes to the Roman church and he speaks about gifts. But then he says, um, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. He says, guys, you've got to, this gift thing is really important. You've got to know your gifts and you've got to take your place. But if you then allow gifting to make you arrogant, to make you think you're superior, to make you think you're better than another, then it's, that's a terrible thing. That's a disaster. Instead, in humility. You know, um, Jesus Christ, uh, um, is it Hebrews 2? Your attitude should be the same of, as Jesus Christ. He, even, though he was, um, even though he was God, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, And he humbled himself and lived out his life. Uh, Jesus, who was in very nature God, humbled himself and we should take after his nature. And that's probably true, especially uh, if you have a gifting that leads you to be up on stage in front of people. Uh, That's a wonderful gift to be able to lead people in worship or to be able to preach or to be able to teach or to be given a key leadership role in the church. But they're the gifts that have the greatest potential or actually the same as the Corinthian gifts, the spiritual kind of gifts, super, you know, the supernatural kind of gifts, they are the gifts that have this tendency to lead people to be prideful. So let me draw an application from this. If I go back to the thing, how can you fulfill God's purpose for your life as a Christian? Answer, know what your gifts are. Take your place in the body, being one, being part of the body, taking your place, using that gift uh, as we belong together and serve humbly. That is how you can fulfill God's purpose for your life as a Christian. I'm going to ask the band to come up as I bring this to a a wrap-up. So here's the deal. As I think about those three things, there's three challenges I want to put out there for you. Do you know your gifts? Do you know what your gifts are? It's not arrogant to know your gifts. It's arrogant to be prideful about your gifts. It's not arrogant to know your gifts and to be able to identify what they are. In fact, that is, I think, what the Scripture would want us to do, to know your gifts. Some of you aren't serving using your gifts because you don't know what your gifts are. If you're fairly new to faith, the exciting part is, as you go on the journey, you can actually discover your gifts and discover how you best serve. Secondly, Are you taking your place? Are you, uh, as one part in the body, putting your gift 
to use for uh, the cause of God's kingdom? Are you taking your place? Or do you know your gift, but for whatever reason, you're not taking your place? There's a range of reasons why people wouldn't take their place. One is because they might just think, I've got nothing really to offer because of the value they perceive about themselves. Another might be because they think, well, there's lots of other people taking, taking the place and there's no real space for me to serve or to, you know, I'm not really needed here. Uh, or another might be, I took my place previously and it didn't work so well. For whatever reason, I took my place and I wasn't appreciated, um, wasn't valued, it ended up being costly on me and it was a bit of a you know, disaster, it just didn't go well. But I want to encourage you that if you've taken your place and stepped back or if you've never taken your place, that God's word is that your gifts are needed. Your gifts are needed in the body. It's God's plan. God's plan is not just to miraculously make things happen without any Christians being involved. His, his plan is to work through the church to involve us. I guess he can do things without us, but he's chosen to work through his church. And the last one is, the question I'd ask is, uh, is there any seed of pride in you when you serve in your area? If you're serving in the church, is there any seed of pride that you just need to repent of and actually just ask God to humble you in that? Um, and I'm not sure which of those would be most applicable for you. Um, but have a think about that. Reflect on that as we, as we continue to worship together. And the team here would love to pray for you. They'd love to help you pray that, you know, maybe prayer would just be, God, help this person, you know, to, to discover their gifts. Um, or maybe it's praying about taking your place. Or maybe it's a prayer about pride. Whatever it is, if you want to be uh, prayed for in relation to this sermon, there's an opportunity now. So let's get on our feet and uh, uh, let me pray and then we'll start worshipping. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for each and every person in this church. Thank you that each of us is part of your plan. Each of us is part of... Uh, you know, your church, your family, Jesus' church, that, that he has commissioned to, to go and make disciples of all nations. And that, that work requires so many different people with so many different gifts and each of us uniquely shaped and uniquely designed. And so, Lord, I pray that each of us would know our gifts, would take our place and would serve humbly in your church. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.